If you have your Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter number 20. Matthew chapter number 20. I, wanna, uh, I want to take just a second, if you were not here last week, uh, we took on a humongous God-sized project last week. We are taking on the project of planning 1,000 churches this year. Can we give God praise and glory and honor? You say, how are we going to do that? Each one of these boxes, you've seen them when you come in on the tables out there, each one of these boxes represents a church. A church that can be planted around the world for $300. Three, every $300 comes in is another church that's planted. And, uh, and, and so we invited you to take one of these boxes home, uh, take several of these boxes home. And uh, when God fills it, you bring it in. And we're going to stack it in our little church over there in the doorway and build that up. Uh, that, that, that church on the side represents uh, the church, the, the body of Christ. And at Fairview, you've got one of those out there also. And these represents each individual church that makes up the church. Are y'all with me? Say amen. There's churches all over this world that make up the church, the body of Christ. And, and, and I want to I thank God. We've already had 18 of these come in already here at Temple at Coleman and six out there at Fairview. So let's give God praise and glory right there. Now, Fairview, uh, by percentages, you are whooping us bad. You're doing great. Keep up the good work out there. You know, I, 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 told, I told you guys to take one of these home and just test the Lord. Test the Lord, see if he won't fill it up. Something will come in that you wasn't expecting, and God's going to do this. We've already had two testimonies. I want to tell them to you so bad because they're, like, really cool. But I'm going to wait. We're going to try to put a video together so people, as they have these testimonies, can come in and tell you what God's doing. But God's already answering prayer. Amen? So I am tickled to death for that. I need you to pray for me. Uh, these uh, 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 allergies and, and pollen... And in, in this time of the year is of the devil. <clears throat> Do I have a witness? And, and so I've, I've got so much stuff going on and, and, and so much medication. There's no telling what I'm going to say today. So now we're going to jump back into Matthew 20. And I'll be honest with you, brother Doug, this one was hard. I mean, I, I, I don't, it, it wasn't hard to understand but it's so, it's amazing when you're trying, you're trying to say what you're wanting to say, uh, uh, and then God is saying, no, this is what I want to say. And so in this message, there is a message within a message. Uh, I will tell you, I will tell you and share with you what, what he is saying here in Matthew chapter number 20, but God has got something to say to us. And that's what we need to hear. That's what we need to hear. We don't need another Bible lesson. We need to hear a message. And, and God has got a message for us today. And, and I hope you will pray for me. I pray that you will have sensitive ears to hear what God is saying. And so let's begin reading in Matthew chapter number 20. Matthew chapter number 20. And uh, 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 uh. Brother Griggs. Can you turn that fan off right there? It's blowing my Bible and I'm going to get frustrated. All right. All right. Here we go. Here we go. Are you there in Matthew 20 verse 1? For the kingdom of heaven is likened to a man that is a householder 
which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborer for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right I will give you. They went their way. And again he went out about the sixth and ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle and saith unto them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? They say unto him, Because no man hath hired us. He saith unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. So when even was come, the Lord of the vineyard saith unto his steward, Call the laborers and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. And when they came that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. And when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more. And they likewise received every man a penny. And when they had received it, they murmured against the goodman of the house, saying, These last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden of the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst, thou, didst not thou agree with me for a penny? Take that thine is, and go thy way. I will give unto this last, even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is thine eye evil, because I am, I am good? So the last shall be first, and the first last. For many be called, but few are chosen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful for the privilege and the honor to be able to stand before your people and share your word. Lord, you know how desperately I need you in this hour, in this moment. I pray that you'll please help me. Please help me. Holy Spirit, guide every word that I say. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't and don't let me forget anything I should. I pray that you'll move and guide and help us today. Open our eyes, Lord. Reveal things to us, Lord. Help us to uh, uh, be better today than we were yesterday. Help us to follow Jesus in a greater way this week than we did last week. I thank you for this crowd here in this building. I thank you for the families that we love so dearly at Fairview, uh, Lord, who are persevering and serving God out there. Lord, we are one church in two locations, and I thank you for that opportunity. And I pray that you'll bless and move in an awesome way. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated out there at Fairview. <clears throat> let, me, let, me, let me give you what the Word is saying, and then I want to give you what God is saying to us. Uh, in this chapter, you have to go back to chapter 19, and, and, and follow up because if, if you will keep in mind, when you're studying God's word, chapters and verses were put in there later. All right. Uh, when, when, when Matthew was writing this, he didn't have, he didn't write chapter five, chapter six, chapter. It was one letter. And these were put in here to help you study and to learn and to memorize. Uh, but this is one continuous thought. And we find starting up in chapter 19, 
we, we see chapter 20 is an answer or a response to what Peter said in chapter 19. In chapter 19, Jesus has explained to them it's very difficult for a rich man to enter into heaven. It's very difficult for somebody who's trusting in riches to get to glory. Matter of fact, to the point of impossibility. All right, thank you, sir. Now, when he says this, uh, Peter responds and says, well, what about us? What about us? And, and, and Jesus responds to him and says, hey, don't worry about it. If you have given up the things that you have given up, because Peter said, we've given up all to follow you. And Jesus responds and tells them, listen, you're going to get rewarded for what you have done. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. I'm so glad that, listen, uh, I, I'm glad to miss hell, but I'm glad that we can have a reward when we get to heaven. We're going to be judged according to our works. And as we work, God will reward. And as we uh, serve him, God will reward those who serve him. And he tells him even to a hundredfold, there's going to be blessings and there's going to be awards and rewards for those who sacrifice for him. But then he says, but, but the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And he goes to explain that. And this parable is an explanation of what he's trying to tell Peter, he said, the kingdom of heaven is like, and in this, in this parable, you have someone who has a vineyard and the explanation, and, and remember a parable is a parallel. He's not saying it's exactly like this, but this will help you understand what it is like. If that makes sense, say amen. He said, heaven is different. Heaven is different. You're going to get rewarded according to your works. You earn your rewards. But heaven and salvation is different. Heaven is going to be equal to everybody. Whether you serve God all your life or whether you serve God, listen, on your deathbed, you're going to walk on the same street of gold. Do you realize I've been in church my whole life and I really, I've served God before I was even saved. I've been in church and, and served God my whole entire life. But guess what? The thief on the cross that said, remember me, he will walk the same street of gold that I will. And I'm so glad that heaven is equal. Salvation is equal. There's equality and there's graciousness and God's grace is equal for every man. Say amen. And that is, that is the principle of this parable, that God's grace is equal, that God's heaven and salvation is equal to every man. Now, what does that mean? That means somebody's going to be in heaven that you don't think should be there. Some of y'all are going to be walking on Hallelujah Boulevard and you're going to pass somebody and say, What? And I just, I'm just going to tell you, you just better be glad you're there. And all God's people say it. And that's a great truth. I'm so glad that, that God is, <laughs> he is equal. But that's not the message. I kept studying that and studying that and tried to make an outline there to give you the, the, the truth there. But God is wanting to say so much more. It's not necessarily that he's saying it to his disciples in this moment, but he's saying to us disciples in this moment. And this is what I want you to see. As we go through this chapter, let's, 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 uh, the first two points is, is by way of instruction. And the last point is really the message that God wants us to, to receive. 
Number one, if you're taking notes, I want you to see the record that we see. The record that we see. Let me explain what's happening here. We find a householder who has a vineyard. In that day, in that day, that there were some jobs that were not required all year long. So at the time of harvest or at the time of pruning or whatever it might be, the householder, the owner would go to the marketplace and there would be day laborers. In other words, they didn't have any skills. They didn't have uh, any particular permanent jobs. They were there to work for whoever would be willing to hire them. They were usually very poor, they were usually very unskilled, and they were willing to take whatever that they could have. If that makes sense, say amen. And they would go into the marketplace and they would hire people and then go to work for a temporary job. Now keep in mind that God made a rule, God made a law in Israel that whatever that man does that day, you pay him that day. Because God cares about the poor. God cares about the oppressed. And he knew that there would be people who literally live from hand to mouth. That whatever they work for that day, that's how they ate that day. If you, if you follow me, say amen. So every day you pay that man for that day. They would go to the marketplace and they would hire early in the morning to go out and work. Now as the story goes, we find, we find that this man who has this vineyard, He goes into the marketplace and and he says, okay, I want to hire you guys. And they make a contract with him. They say, okay, well, this is what we'll work for. This is what he agreed to do. A penny a day, a denarius. A denarius was the, 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 the day salary for a Roman soldier. So this was, this was pretty good money for an unskilled day laborer. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So they readily accepted Yes, we'll work for that. That's great. Now keep in mind, they worked one, one day, one day, one penny was about enough to feed one family. So they were working that day to feed that family for that day. Does this make sense? It's all, this is so important to the truth that God's wanting to show us, so you got to get that. Okay, so he goes out in the morning. The morning starts at 6 o'clock. 6 o'clock in the morning. The Jewish day, the Jewish work day was from six to six. There was no unions back then. Amen. Six to six. So at six o'clock in the morning, he goes and he hires the best that's out there. Usually the first people that were hired was the stoutest. Those who, who looked like they could do a lot of work. Are y'all following me? This is not, this is not rocket science. You're going to get the one you think is going to get the most out of. And so he goes back. He goes back at nine o'clock. And, and he sees more and he hires them. He goes back at 12 o'clock. He sees more and hires them. He goes back at 3 o'clock and sees more and hires them. He goes back at 5 o'clock. In other words, only one hour left. He says, why are you standing here idle? He said, nobody would hire us. These most likely may have been handicapped. These most likely may have been elderly people who nobody else would hire because they didn't have the capacity to produce like all the rest of them. But he didn't care. He said, well, go into the vineyard and whatever is right, I will give thee. Are y'all following me so far? So if you're taking notes, write this down. This is the record. First, we see there are multiple assignments. There are multiple assignments. And I'm using these words for alliteration purposes. 
But there are different people who are working different hours of the day. They're working the same job, but at different times. Some work 12 hours, some work 9 hours, some work 6 hours, some work 3 hours, some only worked 1 hour. So there's multiple assignments. But then there's mutual agreements. There's mutual agreements. Write that down. There's mutual agreements. They agreed on, and and by the way, the only crowd that demanded a certain amount of money was the first one. They said, we'll do it for a penny. They had a contract. All the rest of them was willing to take whatever they got. He didn't tell them an amount. He just said, whatever's right, that's what I'm going to do. And they were so desperate for work, they were willing to accept or uh, go on the word of the vineyard owner. Are y'all with me? Say amen. But either way, they were agreed. In every case, they agreed to do what was done with what was said to be done. The first crowd for a penny, a denarius, one uh, salary for a Roman soldier a day, enough to feed their families a day, which was very good, very fair for that type of work. Are y'all following me so far? So A, A, there's multiple assignments. B, there is mutual agreements. Then C, there are matching, matching awards. It came time, it came time to pay up. At the end of the day, when the day was over, the owner of the vineyard said, okay, it's time to pay everybody. So he called the foreman and said, okay, but here's how we're going to do it. Instead of as normal, we would, hire, we would pay the first ones to come. He says, I want you to pay from last to first, which was kind of unusual, but he is... Jesus is making a point here. All right. So he begins with the one who worked how long? One hour. And the ones that worked one hour, he gave them a denarius. He gave them a whole day's salary worth of money. And then on the way down, all the way till you got to the guys that was working 12 hours. And they thought, hey. Woo, this is good. We're going to get more. But guess how much they got? The same thing. The same thing. Now, this seems to be an injustice. This seems to be an injustice. This doesn't seem fair. How many of y'all have thought life is not fair? How many of y'all have thought God was not fair? Oh, some of you lying. You just won't admit it. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What's, the, what's up with this? You mean to tell me we work 12 hours and they only work one hour and we all get the same? Hmm. Number two. That was the record of events. How many of y'all, are, are we all together now? We're all together now. Is everybody on the same page? Got people working different hours, but getting paid the same. Are y'all with me? Number two. Obviously, there's going to be a reaction. Are y'all with me? What's the reaction? First, there's an assumption. A, if you're taking notes out there at Fairview, write that down. There is an assumption. Verse number 10. Verse number 10. Look what it says. 
It says, but when the first came, those that worked 12 hours, they, come on, they supposed that they should have received more. And they likewise received every man a penny. In other words, what they do, they assumed, they assumed they would get more. Because of what they thought was right, because of what they thought was fair, they should get more. They assumed. How many of y'all were taught a long time ago not to assume? And if you want to know what happens when you assume, ask Brother Doug after the service. Amen. He will tell you. Number B. We see their assumption in in verse 10. Then we see their anger in verse 11. How many of y'all have realized and experienced over the years that anger usually follows assumption? Amen. Verse, Verse 11. And when they had received it, they murmured. They, come on everybody, if ever you want to hear you over here, say it. They, they murmured. They murmured. They grumbled. They complained. Now I know at Temple Baptist Church is so spiritual, we ain't never done that. They didn't like it. They grumbled, they murmured, they whined against the goodman of the house. Then verse number 12. So we see their assumption, their anger, they didn't like what he did. Then we see their accusation. Verse 12. Saying, these last have wrought but one hour. Oh my soul, look what they say. And thou, the goodman of the house... Has made them, come on, has made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and the heat of the day. So we see, we see people who are angry at what the goodman of the house did. They're angry because they assumed he would do something different than he did. They were frustrated and they began to murmur against him. They began to grumble. They began to whine and complain and they had an issue with what's going on. And obviously, obviously the murmuring was loud enough. The frustration was loud. And the Bible says the looks on their faces because he said, you got an evil eye. Is your eye evil because I'm good? You know, everybody knows what the evil eye is. In Alabama, we call it the stink eye. That means when you're mad at somebody, you don't like what they did, you give them. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Some of y'all, some of y'all didn't have a parent that whooped you, so you didn't understand what I just said. But some of y'all had one that meant business, and all they had to do was give you the eye, and you straightened your act up. Are y'all with me? That That means something ain't right. They're frustrated with what's going on. They don't like what you just did. Is everybody with me? Now, let's be honest. Let's be honest. If we we are honest with ourselves and and with God, when we first read this, if you were the man with the 12 hours, uh, you probably would have the stink eye too. Because it don't seem right. 
doesn't seem fair. Doesn't seem like this is appropriate. But let's dig into it some more and see what happens. Really, really God is trying to tell the disciples here in this situation, hey, everybody is not going to do the same to get into heaven, but salvation is equal. And heaven is equal. And, and listen, God is going to bring the last first and the first last. There's not going to be, uh, listen, when it comes to heaven, everybody's got a fair shot. But God is saying so much more. God is revealing so much more about man and about himself in this particular chapter. And I'll be honest with you, when I started seeing what he's showing himself about me, I, I didn't, I didn't, oh mercy, I got convicted. And here's what I want you to see. First, the reality. We see the record of what's going on. Everybody sees what's happening. We see the reaction that takes place. They're frustrated. They're angry. They don't like the deal. They don't like what he did. But then I want you to see the reality of the situation. Let's open our eyes to reality, not appearances, not this seems like an, a, an apparent injustice has taken place, but let's look at what really happened. First, what does this reveal? What does this reveal? First, I want you to see the corruption of man. The corruption of man. Preacher, what are you saying? Look what, look what the householder Look how he responds. He said, you made them equal to us, which is born the burden and heat of the day. But he answered, he answered one of them and said, friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst not thou, you, didst not thou agree with me for a penny? Take that thine is and go thy way. I will give unto this last, even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is thine eye evil because I am good? What do I see in this? Watch this now. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. This ain't going to be long. This is going to be short. If the householder would have paid them boys first, they would have went home happy. They would have went home satisfied because he did what he said he would do. He was good to them because he paid them a good wage for a day's labor. But because they saw what he did for someone else. So this is the point. The householder saying, you're not mad because I was bad to you. You're mad because I was good to them. Is anybody ready to come to the altar? Well, what does that say about us? These guys said, I want what I deserve. Now, do you really want to go to God with that? 
I mean, do you even, do you even, do you even remotely understand what you're saying? If we go to God and say, God, give me what I deserve, he would drop us off into hell. But what is this teaching about us? Three things. Well, several things, but this is the only thing I can stand to put down. When we assume, we try to be God. Look what it says in verse number 10. But when the first came, they, they supposed that they should have received more. So this is what they're doing. They're saying this is what you need to do. They are putting themselves in the owner's position. They are saying this is what you need to do. Now, let me, let me be plain and apply this to us today. When we go to God and we pray and say, do this and do this and don't do that. And he doesn't do anything and we get angry. When we want him to do this and he doesn't. When we tell him and we ask him to do this and he doesn't. And then we get mad because he doesn't. We're putting ourselves in his place. We're trying to be God. They are saying... You need to do this. Well, guess what? They're not the owner. And I can't tell you how many times I've sat with people who were angry at God, who had a grudge against God, who were mad and had been mad for years because God did something that they didn't like. Or he didn't do something that they wanted him to do. And all we're doing by doing that is saying, I'm smarter than God. I am in God's place. We have this wrong perception that God is here for us, not us here for him. He's the boss. He's the creator. We are the creature. He's the potter. We're the clay. He's the shepherd. We're the sheep. We have a tendency to assume. And when we assume, we put ourselves in his place. We try to be God in the circumstances. Preacher, what do we need to do? Instead of saying, God, do this or God, do that, say, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to be? How do you want me to receive this? What do you want me to do? How about this? I am thy servant. Here am I. Send me. But we don't. We try to be God with our assumptions. Number two. We have a tendency to focus only on ourselves. We have a tendency to focus only on ourselves. What do you mean? Watch this. This. this, (laughs) The householder knew that they were working for their next meal. The householder knew that they were working to feed their families. And the one who worked one hour did not have the same advantages and strength and maybe skill as those who were hired in the morning, the best workers. But they still had families. And here's the deal. The householder made sure 
that they all ate the next day. But all them boys could see was their self. Are y'all with me? So instead of looking at each other and say, Oh, Joe gets to eat too, guys. Joe don't have our abilities. Joe don't have our strength. Joe doesn't have our youth. He gets to eat too. Isn't God good? No, we get mad at God. Because we think we deserve something. Y'all ready for the altar yet? How often do we look at, oh, let me get number three. We try to be God with our assumptions. We have a tendency to focus only on ourselves. We have a habit of comparing ourselves with others. Well, if that's what he's getting, let me... Well, if he deserves that, then I surely. No, what you don't understand is neither one of us deserve anything. And you see, the householder was making sure that this man's family ate. But we couldn't. We're not concerned about this man's family. We're concerned about the perceived injustice that came against me. How many times do we look at people who it seems like God is blessed and because of our own selfishness, our own envy, our own jealousy. You you want to, let me tell you the first sign of jealousy. Let me tell you the first sign of jealousy. Let me tell you. Y'all don't want me to tell you? I'm going to tell you anyway. The first sign, the first sign of jealousy when you know somebody's jealous against something you have or you've done, this is what they'll say. Must be nice. That's the first sign. The first sign that they don't like that you got it and they don't is it must be nice. You know what I started saying? It is. It is. It sure is. Don't hate me because I'm blessed. It is nice. It's wonderful. Y'all know I'm being a little facetious. But I'm trying to make a point. It's amazing how we'll see what somebody has, but we won't see all the hours they put into getting it. While, we're, while, while, while some people are sitting at home watching TV, eating their snacks, they're out there busting their hump, working in the field or working in the road, doing everything they can to save up, save up, save up. Just so you can be ignorant and say, must be nice. So you guys just say it with me. It is. So next time somebody comes to you and says some garbage like that, just know they're hating Jealousy and envy is a terrible, terrible thing. Watch this now. Watch this. If them guys would have never known, if they'd have never known what the householder done for the one hour guy, they'd have been satisfied. 
If they would have got paid first and went home, they'd have went home skipping their penny. Woo-hoo. I got a dollar. I got a dollar. I got a dollar. Hey, 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 hey. Some of y'all ain't watched Little Rascals I Can See. Y'all are sheltered. Right? They would, they, would, they, they would have been as happy as can be. But what did they do? They started looking at somebody else. Let me tell you, the biggest killer of joy in your life is when you start comparing yourself to other people. I heard, I heard T.D. Jakes preaching one time. Brother Miguel, he's preaching, he's going at you. I mean, foaming at the mouth, sweating and everything, just going at you. He said, you was, you was born in the trailer. You lived in the trailer. You was happy in the trailer. You had good times in the trailer. You was all excited about your trailer till you met somebody with a house. That's good preaching right there. We happy with our bicycle. We enjoy our bicycle. Do we run into somebody with a dirt bike? Man, isn't that us? And then we get angry at God. God, you didn't answer my prayer. Like he's our servant. Let me tell you what happens when you're angry at God. If you're in this building and you're mad at God, you're in the wrong spot. You're trying to be God and you're trying to make him your servant. You need to switch roles. Because when they assumed, they said, you should have done this. No, what they're saying is what I would have done. You know, you know why this, that's what they would have done? Because they're not good like him. Because if it would have been them, they wouldn't have matched the money for the guy and little Johnny wouldn't have been able to eat in their household. We're terrible. Mankind is so corrupt. And we think we're so spiritual and we think we're so good and we have no idea when we get jealous and we get angry and we get, we get frustrated at God because he doesn't do what we tell him to do. We don't know what he knows. They were not concerned about this man's kids at home. They were concerned about what they thought they should have got. I need a witness. Look here. We not only see the corruption of man, but B, we see the character of God. (laughs) This is so simple. Verse 15. Verse 15. Are y'all there? He said, is it not lawful for me to do what I will with Say it again. What's the character of God? Well, first thing, he's God. He's God. Have you ever heard that people say this? Well, if God doesn't judge America, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. How stupid. God don't have to apologize for anything. 
Watch this. I know this is going to come as a shock to some of you guys, but God doesn't owe you an explanation for nothing. You know why? He's God. He doesn't have to explain why this happened in the Bible or that happened in the Bible. You don't have to understand everything. He's God. He can do what he wants with what he wants, with who he wants, anytime he wants. He's God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We need to get an attitude adjustment and get our head screwed on right and understand where we are and where he is and get in the right place. Whatever God does for us is a blessing. Anything above heaven is a blessing. Heaven is a blessing. Heaven is not deserved. Salvation is not deserved. If we got what we deserve, we'd bust hell right now wide open. But God is God. And he saw fit to have mercy and grace on our old sinful self. Somebody say amen. He's God. He don't have to answer our prayers. He don't have to do anything we've asked him to do. And he doesn't owe you an explanation why he did it for this one over here, but he didn't do it for that one over there. God owes no man nothing. Nothing. Let's just establish that before we go any further. I want to explain more about God, but we need to get that right. right. We, need, we, we need to settle that right now. God is God. We have brought up a generation. We have brought up a generation of people who wants to tell the boss what to do. You don't get to do that. The boss tells you what to do. But see, that mentality has creeped over in the church. And so we have this entitlement attitude. It's not just in the street. It's not just in our culture. It's not just in the workplace. It's creep, creeped over into the church house. And so we get angry if God don't do exactly what we thought he ought to do. And we feel like we're entitled to an answer. Well, honey, I hate to bust your bubble. But the only thing you're entitled to is hell. I need a witness. Grace is undeserved favor. Say it with me. Grace is. Say it with me, Fairview, everybody. Grace is undeserved favor. You see, God is not only God. But number two, God is good. He, is, he tells these old boys, he said, you're giving me the stink eye because I'm good. He said, I was good to you. I gave you a good wage. I, I fulfilled my end of the agreement. You're not mad because I was bad to you. You're mad because I was good to them. Oh, mercy. 
You see, God's good. Even when it don't seem like it, even when we perceive it a different way, even when God is moving, guess what? He does all things well. And some of the things that he does, it seems like it's against us. Some of the things that he does, it seems like it's unfair. And some of the things he does, it seems like we don't deserve it. But ladies and gentlemen, all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to them that are called according to his purpose. And God loves you. God's got a plan for you. God will work it out for you. But you need to open your eyes and understand that he is smarter than we are. And whatever he does is right. Whatever he does is well. Whatever he does is good. You don't give it enough time to let it play out. Maybe you need to wait till the next day so you can see little Johnny and little Julio and little, little, little Henry sitting at their table eating their meal because he was good enough to pay them more than they deserved. Not because he's been bad to us. But because he's good. Have you ever heard the phrase, no good deed goes unpunished? God wasn't bad to them. The householder wasn't bad to them. He was just good to somebody else. And look at the attitude he got. Now we got to put ourselves in this place. How many times have we got an attitude with God because we assumed he would do something that he didn't? Some of y'all ought to be at the altar right now. Because you've been mad at God for years. Because he didn't answer this or he didn't answer that or he didn't do what you said for him to do. Well, who's the boss anyway? Let's quit assuming. Let's start remembering he is God. He is in charge. He is the boss. And all God's people say it.